Hello, greetings everyone. Someone say Merry Christmas. It's a little early, but we're getting there. It's so good to see everyone this evening. Welcome to our Saturday evening service at our Second Street campus. Also, we're welcoming those who are online. Take a listen. We're excited that you're here. We want everyone to stand for a minute as we read the scripture reference for today, which would be Galatians in the fourth chapter, verses one through seven. I will start. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the day set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, but when the fullness of time had come, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father! So you are no longer slaves, but a son, and if a son, then a heir of God, through God. Everyone say amen for the reading of the word. Now, as you guys are aware, you may sit down. <laughs> as you are aware that we are in this Advent series titled The Greatest Christmas Family. And this evening, my assignment, and we'll be focusing on mainly the sixth and the seventh verse as we impact the Holy Spirit dwells. But before we get into that, I think what we need to do is we need to do an intro and kind of recap the last couple of weeks. And let me encourage you, this is very important, that as Matthew in the 11th chapter in the 15th verse says, and also Mark in the 4th chapter in the 23rd verse says, it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I pray this morning that you have your spiritual, well, not morning, but evening. Some of y'all be listening in the morning, but I pray that you have your spiritual ears on. Now, the importance of a series like this can be life-changing when you really begin to understand in Christ's realities. Once again, before we go into this recap of the last couple of weeks, I'm going to give a reference of a quote last week out of J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. This was read last week, it's powerful. It says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship, his prayer, and his whole outlook on life, it means that he or she does not understand Christianity very well. Father is the Christian name of God. This is an awesome quote. I find it to be very true and maybe even the foundational theme for this Advent series, The Greatest Christian Family. Let's kind of quickly recap some of the points of this series so far. Pastor Tim 
starting with the father's sins. Christmas is a celebration that our heavenly father had a plan. I mean that a hair as long as he is a child is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he's under guardian and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. That's Galatians uh, 1, 4, 1 through 3. And what that really is saying that you can be an heir, but you still have to answer to the head slave in your house. So even if you're an heir, you still have no authority or no rights, so to speak. It's no different than a slave, maybe even less. Though an heir is the owner of everything because of his father, he has no rights, he has no authority. In the same way, we are also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. And when we talk about we are enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, we're talking about we know who the God of this world is, and we know who he is, even though we have power, the enemy has power, the God of the world has power, but we have Azusia, our power is an authority over the dudamus power of the enemy. So in a sense, we have Azusia, uh, that power over the dudamus power of the enemy. But we are in a world, and there is a God of this world, which is Satan. But at Christmas time of the year, we can celebrate and we can testify, you guys, that God had a plan. Say amen. amen. We can celebrate, we can testify to one another, to family and to the world, that God had a plan as he sent his son. Now before faith came, we were held captives under the law, and prison until the coming of faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. That's back in Galatians in the third chapter, 23 and 24. Paul's point that he's making in this is that until someone comes to salvation by faith in Jesus, they are enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Back again to Galatians 4.3. So Paul, again, was making this point until someone comes, which was Christ, he had to be sent so that we would be redeemed and set free. And you heard all this the last couple of weeks. Christmas is the celebration that our Heavenly Father had perfect timing. He had perfect timing. The Heavenly Father sent his son to redeem spiritual orphans. Galatians 4, 4 again, but when the fullness of time had come, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law. See, this scripture tells us that the father had an exact date that he would bring out his people out of bondage to the law and into his families as sons and daughters. He would send his son Jesus to be born into humanity and born under the law. Jesus would do what no one else has ever done. He would keep the entire law of God perfectly in our place before, redeem those who were under the law. 
Verse 4 again, chapter 4 again, verse 5. And any who come to the Heavenly Father by faith in the redemption of a son would have their status legally changed to the title of son and daughter. And that we would be adopted as sons and daughters of Christ. The result of our redemption is adoption. Again, the result of our redemption is adoption. Adoption is the final aim and ultimate end of redemption. Christmas, again, is a celebration that our Heavenly Father adopted us until his family. 1 John 3, 1, I like it in the King James. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it kneweth not him. What an awesome scripture. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Christmas can be about so much more than we make it. As some of us gather as family, and, and, and it's very important to really understand, understand the reason truly for this season, as we are the greatest Christmas family. See, God had always planned to redeem us and adopt us into his family. It's almost like in the beginning that God had a meeting with himself. That he said, self, which was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want children. And he said to himself, but what if they sin? Well, let's put a plan together. Someone will have to die. And then Jesus said, it's done. It's like God had a plan. It's like he had a meaning because this was all done before the foundations of the world. It's powerful. God had always planned to redeem us and adopt us into his family. And he set a specific date that he would do this by sending his son to be born into humanity. Again, to obey his law fully. Ephesians 1, in the fourth and fifth verse, it says, God chose us in him before the foundations of the world. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. You see, church, in all of our theology and all of our podcasts and listening to the message and the word, we can all talk and listen to great theologians and preachers talk about sanctification and justification and glorification and righteousness and holiness we can talk about homiletics, hermeneutics, apologetics, and eschatology. But the doctrine of adoption is at the very heart of the gospel. The doctrine of adoption is the greatest Christmas family that we are all a part of. 
And because, Galatians 4, verse 6 through 7, and because you are sons, and because every one of you that knows Jesus, that has surrendered their life to Christ, and because you are sons and daughters, God sent the Spirit of a son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then a heir through God. Now let's take a closer look as we look at these verses six and seven. Let's take a little bit closer look at the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts. Let's take a moment to reflect back at the sculpture that you saw in the beginning of the service today. Can we get a still shot of that? Now that was one of our cornerstone artists that did this sculpture pertaining to this message. And I had the opportunity to talk to her about this piece of work because I wanted to fully understand when she heard the title of this message, this is what came into her spirit. And she said that when she began to form this with her hands, that she got an inclination or a prompting in her spirit that the Holy Spirit is everything. That it's a key figure, especially in this dispensation. And the robe, the white robe, represents the Holy Spirit. And it's covering everything in the world and, and everything. And you see all the people at the foot of the robe. And now you see the ladder that is made into a cross. And the ladder is the only way to the Father. And now you see a little bit higher up the ladder and the cross, you see the Word of God. And ultimately what you see is that Jesus is cloaked in the robe of the Holy Spirit. I thought that was phenomenal as this artist put this together. And if you were to see this as it's explained more, it really makes sense. And it's a powerful, powerful sculpture. So with that in mind, I want to make a statement as we begin to deal with dwelling in the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Therefore, us crying, Abba, Father. So I'm going to make a hard left turn and go a different route for a couple of minutes. And I would say right now that keep in mind this thought, the divine yet ignored. It's really interesting to see how differently the Bibles or biblical people, how they teach the second and the third persons of the Trinity. The person and the work of Christ has been and remains the subject of constant debate in the church. People are always talking about what Jesus did or what he didn't do and they're talking about theology. But it's very interesting that the Holy Spirit is largely 
ignored. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit is the Cinderella of Christian doctrines. And it's interesting that most people don't even really seem to be interested in it. Many excellent books have been written about the person and the work of Christ. But the number of books worth reading about the Holy Spirit are very few. And it's even interesting that seldom do we even sing songs about the Holy Spirit. But when we do, they seem to be powerful songs. And they seem to be songs where we sense that the Holy Spirit is amongst us. So it's interesting that at times we might even refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. I've heard it even be preached that the Holy Spirit is an it. The average Christian deep down may be in a complete fog as to the work of the Holy Spirit and what he does and how to apply it. Some even talk of the Spirit of Christ in the same way that we talk of the Spirit of Christmas. I'm often asked at this time of year, do you have the Christmas spirit? I'm not really sure what that is. But most don't even think of the Holy Spirit. Many Christians have really no idea of the difference that it would make if the Holy Spirit wasn't in the world. He's real. He was sent to us. In Genesis 1, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says that the earth was without form and void. You remember that? And darkness was over the face of the deep. And it says, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. Then the word of God says that, and God said, let there be light. So when we look at that portion of scripture, we see God the Father, we see the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, but we don't necessarily see Jesus. But then again, we do. Because when God said, let there be light, God spoke the word. So we see the Trinity in action together. We see the portents of all of them together in the beginning. But then in John, in the first chapter, verses 1, two, three, one through 3, the word of God says that in the beginning was the word. We just saw that. When God spoke, he spoke the word. So the word of God is true. In the beginning was the word. Where? When God spoke, he spoke the word. So in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, 
and the word was God. He was in the beginning, Genesis. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. And without him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then later on in that chapter, in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh. And then the word became flesh. Born of the Virgin Mary. And dwelt among us. This spirit of God, this Holy Spirit, is not an it. It's the comforter. It's our helper. In the Old Testament in Joel, I believe it's in the second chapter around the 28th verse. The word of God says, and it shall come to pass. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream and your young men shall see visions. Boy, I'm dreaming today. Again, reading verses six and seven of Galatians in the fourth chapter. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son in our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you know, are longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then a heir through God. Now, let's look at this. The spirit of God in our hearts causing us to cry, Abba, Father. Crying out, Abba, Father. There's something about crying out to God that a lot of us maybe have not experienced and maybe aren't even sure what that really might be about. But crying out is something that we do often and is a part of our nature in a sense. Isn't it interesting that the first thing that happens when you take your first breath and you are born and when you get your little bottom spanked, the first thing you do is you cry out. Amen? So crying out, there's something to that. And you can go through so many scriptures in 2 Chronicles in the 20th chapter around the 9th verse. It talks about Jehoshaphat. And he was in a situation to where he was surrounded and they were about to be killed and slaughtered. And he said, God, we don't know what to do but our eyes are upon you, and he cried out. Psalms in the 57th chapter talks about crying out to God. Psalms 88.1, crying out to God. Psalms 77.1, crying out to God. There's something with this crying out Abba, Father, crying out to God when the Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in our hearts. Romans 8, 15 again testifies and said, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but 
you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We are children of God. He is my Abba, Father. He's my daddy. I am a son of God. I am part of the greatest Christmas family, and you are too. What an awesome thing to experience adoption, to know that we are sons of God and that everything he has is ours and everything that he does is for us. That's a powerful concept that we can't grasp fully even though we need to. I want to encourage you today. I want to give you a charge to apply I want to ask you, are there some things maybe in your life that aren't going so well? Is there someone in your family or even you personally that you need healing physically, mentally, or spiritually? There may be someone in here this evening that has a wayward son or daughter. There may be someone in here that is having marital problems. There may be someone in here that is struggling with addictions. And you would say today that I love God and I believe in God, but you can't seem to get to victory and you want to be set free, I would say to you, cry out to God. Cry out to God. Freshly out of Bible college, didn't know what I was doing, a little bit wet behind the ears, I'm going to plant a church. My Bible colleague said, we want to send you to the Bronx. I said, no, I want to stay in the city where I went to school, Minneapolis. And I want to plant a church in North Minneapolis. And in that year, it was called Murderapolis. There was more murders in that city. And I wanted to plant a church right in the smack middle of it. Green didn't know anything. I found an old building that a lady owned. She owned a church. It had been empty for years. No one was in it. I said, I want to buy your building. She said, how much money do you have? I said, I don't have any. I said, but sell it to me. She goes, this is really stupid. You don't have any money. I said, I want to buy the building. She said, I really like you. I'm going to buy you lunch. And we talked and she said, but I can't give you the building. I waited a couple months and I called her back again. I said, can I buy you lunch? I said, yeah. And I said, I want to buy the building. She says, well, I want this much. And I says, but I don't have any money. And she laughed. She goes, you're, you're an interesting guy, you know, but uh, we'll talk to you later and let me buy you lunch again. I waited a few more months and I go by that building every day and look at it. And I said, I want to have lunch with you. And I go, give me that building. <laughs> she goes, no, young man, I can't do that. You're really a nice guy and all this, but I can't do that. 
She had a guy handling the business for her, and she was older. Sometime later, she passed, and the guy that was handling came to us and gave us the building. Yeah, we had to pay something eventually, but as we were in that building, I looked around. Stainless glass was broken, so the snow had come in on the wood floors, and the floors were buckled because of the snow snowing on them. There was no heat in the building, and only one bathroom, and the church was bigger than this one. And I was like, well, I got the building. What am I going to do with a church building with no heat, only a few windows, and snow blowing in the building? And I would get there at 5 a.m. every morning with no heat, and I would sit in the sanctuary and just begin to cry out to God, Abba Father, I love you. Abba Father, you're my dad. You are the source. Abba Father, if you led me here, then you will provide. And I just cried out to God every morning. And one morning, when I was crying out to God, I looked over and a guy that I had witnessed to that was coming over and helping us with the building, he came over to me and he says, what were you doing? Now this young man is a seminary graduate and he goes, I, I, I'm a theologian, but what, what were you doing? I said, I'm crying out to my father. And it affected him in such a way He is still there. I've been gone 20 years. He's still there to this day, ministering and taking care of that building. We decided to have 5 a.m. prayer at this church. All the worship leaders, this meeting, whoever wants to, at 5 a.m., one day a week, right in here, 5 a.m., So as they begin to come in, a few, two, three, four, five, some on my team, they were, what are we doing? We would come in and we would sit down and we would, and that is a way to pray and that's all right. But what I did the next week is I turned on some worship music. And as they began to come in to pray, I began to cry out to God. God, fill this church. God, heal this person. God, do this and begin to call out. And as we begin to cry out and call out to our Father, we as a team saw some powerful things happen. I believe that the Holy Spirit At the point of salvation, when you believe Christ and the Holy Spirit came into your heart, the Spirit of God, therefore, we are now adopted sons, that we need to know what that means in our rightful place and that we can call out to the Father. And he will answer. The Lord spoke to me once and told me that every tear that I cry is water for the garden of my victory. And I just broke. Those who know me well in here know I take a lot of trips and drive all across the country. 
I do that because I need time alone with just me, not my wife, not my children. I need time, quality time with my father so I can call out and cry out to him and tell him what I'm going through and petition him to be God in areas and situations in my life. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. I want to ask you if you would consider in your spiritual disciplines as you pray and have your times of fellowship with God. Try crying out, Abba Father. You may be going through some things in your life that no one knows about. You may be having problems. You may be lonely. You may be dealing with things at school. Who knows what you're dealing with? But if you'll take that time, that we would actually apply the word of God to our lives. The word of God tells us to shout before the Lord. Amen? But do we? The word of God tells us to dance before the Lord. But do we? The word of God tells us to lift up holy hands. But do we? We get some of the most awesome food in this church. Teaching second to none. But will we apply the word that we hear so that we may grow and lack nothing? Week after week, messages about who we are and how we are sons of God and what God can do and wants to do in our lives. But we hear it and then we move on. And then we hear it again and then we move on. Can you imagine what would happen if we would begin to apply the word that we get on a weekly basis? If we would worship God according to his word? If we would cry out to him about all of our troubles and cry out to God on the souls of men in the streets of Easton? If we would cry out for all of those people that are dysfunction and their homes and the childless fire and everything that's going on, if we would cry out to God, imagine what could happen. I believe he would move. I believe God would move. Do you see God moving in your life? Do you want to experience the fullness of God? I do. What aches? What are you dealing with? What are the secrets of your heart that nobody knows about? Are you willing to cry out to God? 
Let's apply this in our life. Let's apply this in our life. And when you begin to cry out to God, the Spirit of God just begins to fill you. I'm reminded of Peter when when they got out of jail and they went to the house of prayer. And it says they begin to pray and they were filled with the Holy Spirit as they called out to God. Let's call out to him. Let's apply these things. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we are adopted sons and daughters of you. Can we get that pad going? Thank you, Father. You unravel me with a melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer I am I am a child of God From my mother's womb You have chosen me Love has called our names I've been born again how about you in this family Jesus your blood flows through our veins come on and stand and sing with me I'm no longer I'm no longer I am a child thank you Jesus We're adopted sons of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I am a child. One more time, I'm no longer. I know. Come on, lift your hands and cry out to God. I know. We love you, Abba Father, Abba Father. We love you, I no longer. We're all we are. <coughs> We're a child of God. We're children of God. Saying, I, I am a child of God. We're all children of God. I am a child. 
We're all children of God, say I am. Praise the Lord. As we close the service today, I'm going to do something different, Gary. I'm just going to ask uh, that some of you just, you may not be able to pull out of the bondage that you might be in. It's a possibility that, you know, that you just, you just need some help. You just can't quite. So as we dismiss and as we go downstairs, there may be a few of you that want prayer. You want prayer that you would be able to freely call out to God and that you would feel his presence and that he would answer your prayer. So as me and Matt and Gary will stand here as he's playing and I encourage you to come forward right up here and let us pray for you. That there may be something that needs to be broken off. How many know there's power in the name of Jesus? Oh, I know, I, I know that's hard for you to believe because you're not saying nothing, but there is power in the name of Jesus. Your case is not hopeless. God can break it off of you tonight. God can heal you tonight, right now. He can do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. You can't, but God can do it. So if you want prayer, the power and the presence of God is here right now and available. Father, we thank you that we are adopted sons. Father, we pray you would help your people apply this word. In the name of Jesus, let the church say amen.